Oh, no. <laughs> It's the American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Emmett McConnell, and I'm joined this week by Red Bull enthusiast, Pat Murphy. It's always good to have a fellow Irishman on the show. How are you doing, Pat? I'm doing good. Enthusiast, I feel a little... I'm more than an enthusiast, Emmett, but I'm feeling good. I'm honored to be on the podcast. I always find it difficult for someone to support those Red Bulls of New Jersey. But before we get into that game, uh, which we all we all were just, you know, licking our chops over, let's get into some headlines we're in the international break. It's wrapping up the U.S. men's national team this past Friday routed Cuba 7-0 in the nation's capital. And now they go north of the border to play Canada in the CONCACAF Champions League on Tuesday. MLS playoffs are set. New York City and LAFC have first-round buys and home games through to the finals with LAFC as Supporter Shield winners to host the final should they get there. In the East, Atlanta hosts the New England Revolution. The Philadelphia Union hosts those... New Jersey Red Bulls, uh, and Toronto FC host DC United in the West. Seattle Sounders host FC Dallas. Real Salt Lake hosts Portland Timbers. Minnesota United hosts the LA Galaxy. Uh, and those are your headlines. That's what we're going to be getting into today. And we're going to start it off with, of course, you know me, Philly Union guy, Pat, Red Bull enthusiast. We're going to start it off, Philly versus Red Bulls. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Red Bulls have to be feeling pretty good after that last one. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, I mean, the obviously the last meeting with the union, you got to feel good about it. They got the two 0 win. We were at home, but at the same time, the way we just ended the season, just completely laying an egg with a potential home game on the line, trying to get a top four seed, going to Montreal. I know we were missing guys with injury, but just completely laying an egg like that harkens back to the days of of. Usually what we do in the playoffs, and we, we, we did it a week early this season where we just just completely kind of choked and lost to a uh, just a not a very good Montreal team that had nothing to play for. Basically, we got played off the field. So I'm not feeling too confident, but I think the story of the match is the press versus the press, right? I mean, we've got the union have kind of weaponized their own press this year that has become a trademark of the Red Bulls over the years, while the Red Bull press has kind of fallen off this season. Yeah, it seems like the union in this one are playing more of the Red Bull style than the Red Bulls have all year under Chris Armas, which, of course, has led to a lot of fans asking for uh, the sack. Uh, do, what do you think it takes? If they lose this game, is Armas gone? I I would say no. It seems like, and, and I, I would say, I would agree with you in saying that most fans seem to feel that way. Um, as someone who feels tapped into Red Bull Twitter, uh in a fairly big way, I would say most fans do feel that way. Um, but I don't. I just think at this point the fans think the owners are. I would describe them as apathetic towards the New York, New Jersey version of the team, uh, especially compared to the Leipzig and Salzburg branches of Red Bull Soccer. Um, I don't think Armas gets fired if we lose this match. Um, I think he will last into next season. But I do think if a lot of fans had their way, he would probably get the sack after this match. Well, so the New York, the New York version, the New York Red Bulls, they're almost like a feeder in a way. I mean, the Red Bulls aren't making this, you know, buying into this franchise, into this league solely as a moneymaker. I mean, they do have a pretty low spending roster, so maybe they do make money in the end. But Tyler Adams, it looked like they tried to offload uh, Aaron Long. You have to think that with the academy system, the way they, you know, it's a pipeline in a way. Yeah, definitely, and I think what really kind of peppered over all the cracks the past few years, because 
we were spending the same amount. We've been at the bottom of the league in spending in terms of salary cap for the past three, four years, basically since Mike Pecky left. And we kind of overhauled the way we we're going to play. Ali Curtis, Jesse Marsh came in um, and just kind of overhauled the front office and the pay structure and all those things. So really since then, we've been one of the lowest spending teams in the league, but we've been able to pepper it over because we had, as you mentioned, a great pipeline in the academy. And they've kind of marketed that as well as kind of the staple of the team where this hometown club, we're going to bring guys through. But, you know, eventually the well runs a little dry and you can't expect to completely churn out studs every season. I guess unless you're Dallas, then you can <laughs> then you can turn out studs every season. But you lose Tyler Adams. He was, in my opinion, the best player on the team last season. And then you have guys like you mentioned. It's a hot take. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, last season when I was saying it on Twitter, apparently it was a hot take. But yeah, I think he's confirmed that by stepping into a Champions League side and starting right off the bat. But uh, yeah, I mean, okay. I don't think we're going to go any farther than that. With Tyler Adams, I'll, I can agree with you. Best player is a big loss. The Red Bulls did fine when he was missing. I think it was against Atlanta a couple times. Uh, especially uh, Wright Phillips was out in that match too, and they won. Uh, but. I wonder how much him missing has led to Armis kind of taking his foot off the pedal with this press. Uh, that said, the Red Bulls are still direct. It's still This is still isn't a team that's passing side to side. It's just often when they're launching it, you know, moving upfield, moving quickly, they don't stay up there and try to win it back right away. Which seems to be, I, I mean, it just seems counterintuitive to me. I mean, Philly plays the same way now. Move it up, move it direct, and then go and win it back once you've lost it. Uh, that said, the Red Bulls in both games this year have been up 2 nothing against the Union. Of course, that infamous 3-2 uh, Union win in June with Ilsenio coming on and basically making Connor Lade, taking Connor Lade and Sean Niales back to USL. That was... I mean, Elsino's gotten, you know, he's had a lot of highlight moments, but that that put him on the map. But since then, it seems like teams have started to figure him out. Maybe he's dealing with a bit of a knock, but he has just not been the same player. Maybe it's that he's playing against Connor Lade and Sean Nealis in that one. And he's taken down the, you know, a weakened Red Bull side. But you'd have to imagine that the Red Bulls would be slightly afraid if 60-minute... 60 minutes rolls around, and it's, you know, a tight game. Yeah, I, I want nothing to do with Ilsenio in, in, in the last 15, 20 minutes of a match. I don't care if he's on one leg. He, he's I don't think he's been fit since he got to MLS, but I, I love him as a player watching him. I just hate watching him against us because every time he gets on the field against us, I'm afraid. And our fullbacks have been questionable. Our defense has been, you know, on paper it looks great. You know, we've got multiple internationals, guys who – have a lot of talent, but they've been shaky the whole season. Um, as you said, it won't be Connor Laid and Sean Nealis this time around, but still, I mean, some of these guys have looked very shaky. Tim Parker had a shocker against Montreal, and I think if Amro Tarek were healthy, honestly, I think he'd probably be starting ahead of Tim Parker. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very worried about... Worried about El Sino. The entire front line of Philly. That's interesting. I mean, with Kamar Lawrence, I would say you have one of the better left backs in the league this year hasn't been his year dealing with injuries the red bulls haven't been great but if you have a guy who you'd want to put at and 1v1 situations with El Senio, i don't think you could pick much better 
I mean, in terms of other great left backs in the league, they're not great 1v1 defenders. Yeah, that, that's one thing Lawrence can do easy. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, Kamar's a rock. Uh, I think he's fantastic. Um, and he's an excellent emergency defender as well. I mean, if he gets beat, he can just make up almost anything with speed. So I do think our left side is probably the side I'm least worried about um, because you've got Aaron Long over there along with Kamar. Um, it's really the right side of the field that I'm, I'm much more worried about. So who's going to play right back? Are we going to see Reese Buckmaster step in, or is he going to put I, his faith I, and hope that Michael Murillo steps back up? So, so from what I've read is that Duncan could still go. And I've read Armas say that it was a minor injury, or he left the game against Montreal with the injury and then got uh, pulled out of the, U- the U.S. U23 camp. Um, but from everything I've heard um, and what Armas has said, it sounded like it was a fairly minor injury, so it's possible Duncan still goes. I think if Duncan can go, he will start, even if he's maybe 90%, just because how can you trust Mario at this point? He's so prone to errors. Um, but I think if, if Duncan's out, I think you have to go with Mario. Like, as as smart as it was to maybe send a message to Mario that his spot in the 11 isn't locked down, at some point he's just a significantly better player than Reese Buckmaster. So I think if Duncan is out, you have to start Mario. I would I see that. I also know from, you know, other Red Bull fans, as you mentioned, Red Bull Twitter, quite the active place. Indeed, very active. A lot of uh, sound moving around there. Duncan isn't exact. I mean, some seem to rate him, others... Other times he seems to have shockers and just goes, you know, goes missing. As a defender, you can't really do that. Yeah, he was just the shakiest Mario for large stretches of the year. But this last five, six weeks or so, he kind of solidified the spot. And then, of course, the injury happens. Terrible timing. So what else are we, uh, are the Red Bulls dealing with now? Who, What other questionable, I guess, first teamers are there? Who's so who's who's secure in their position? Who's going to start? Who do we not know about? So the the 11's interesting, obviously, if you want to just start, kind of go from back to front. Robles, obviously, is going to start in goal. Um, right back, we mentioned, you know, it, I think it'll be Duncan if he's healthy, but could be Mario. Let's get into the midfield and the and the forwards. Yeah, that's the interesting part. I think Casares has locked it down. He's definitely starting. Um, I think it'll be Sean Davis, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Shotkowski started ahead of him. Um, in that defensive mid-roll in the 4-2-3 In one. a defensive mid-roll. For a while, they were going with Davis as a holding mid and Tchaikovsky as a winger ahead of Kaku um, because Kaku had been poor like a lot of players. But I, I think when the chips are down, one-off elimination, Kaku has to start. So I think the attacking mids will be Kaku, Daniel Royer, who's had a, a really solid year for us, and then Josh Sims, who's been kind of the spark the past month or so. They brought him in on loan from Southampton. Um, he's been really good playing on the right wing for us. Um, so I think he'll, he's a definite starter. And then the question up top is, I, I mean, it has to be Bradley Wright Phillips, but he has not started many games this year. Brian White has started a lot of games. Um, I still think it'll be Brad. I mean, he's a club legend. It's the playoffs. You kind of have to throw him out there. But I wouldn't be completely shocked if we saw Brian White to start the game. Coming from a not-biased perspective here. Yeah. Uh, in all honesty, if I was a Red Bull fan, I'm not sure I want to see Wright Phillips in anything other than the last 10 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty obvious his tank is running on fumes. And this is a game where you know the Union are going to be pushing upfield and you get a chance to move to play direct. You're going to want someone like Brian White who scored uh, on a long ball. Literally on just, a, I, I believe it was... Uh, 
Parker just launched one over the back of the Union defense, uh, and he beats Blake to it and chips it over him. I would think that you'd want someone like that, just strategically speaking. Obviously, Wright Phillips with experience uh, brings a different dimension. Uh, but speaking of other dimensions, we were talking a lot about El Sino. Of course, he's you know he brings that dribbling 1v1. Sims seems to be the first guy in a long time since, what, Thierry Henry for the, for the Red Bulls? who's offered that ability to take a man 1v1, dribble with pace. Because Royer, as good as he is, isn't necessarily that guy. Yeah, that that's very true. Royer's not that guy. Uh, Lex Muil is definitely not that guy. <laughs> as much as I as much as much I love him, he's a homegrown guy, but much more... He fits the system. Yeah, he's a defensive winger. Um, yeah, I think you're right. We, we really haven't had a winger who can really take a guy on 1v1, unless you want to count my, my beloved Gonzalo Verone. Um, long may he reign in whatever league <sighs> he's currently playing in. Um, but yeah, Josh Sims, uh, he's been great. I, I mean, they brought him in. I think a lot of fans were kind of like pretty ambivalent about the signing. It was like, here's this guy, you know, he hasn't, he doesn't really play at Southampton. Um, I think he bounced around the championship a little bit. Um, but he's been, he's been really, really solid. And yeah, he's definitely brought another dimension, like you said, and he's a locked in starter, probably one of five or six guys that you just know every week he's, he's going to be in the, in the eleven. So there you have it. From uh, the Red Bull fan, uh, Mike Grella, another one who I thought was dynamic on the ball. Grella, yes, didn't have the pace, but yeah. As you see with El Cino, sometimes it's not pace. Sometimes it's just willingness to make a, make yeah. a move. Uh, my worry is that the Red Bulls do try. I mean, if I was a Red Bull fan, my worry would be that they try to Frankenstein this. They don't necessarily put together a team, and they say, oh, we're going to throw out Bradley Wright Phillips up top we're gonna play Kaku we're gonna play Sean Davis next to Chutkovsky and just nobody really works with anybody else there's some players who are trying to go quick some who are trying to go slow uh and I think that confusion would be the biggest issue for the Red Bulls is if Chris Armis just does not get that 11 right I think that's possible I do think the only thing I'd say to that I think Kostoris is going to start this game i don't i don't think we'll see davis and shatkovsky as the two holding mids as you mentioned i think if shatkovsky starts he'll start in davis's spot or he'll start as an attacking midfielder but i do think costas is going to start i i would hope so i mean again coming from as unbiased position as i can costas is probably one of those players who most closely resembles the red bull system and how he plays so you need that kind of extra bit of bite that Tyler Adams had in the midfield. Uh, just looking back, uh, the Union on the other side, dealing with some injuries. Kasper Shabilko pulled out of the New York City game in the last game of the season with injury. And Ali Bedoya has also been dealing with a niggling injury. Uh, and we're, that's another big issue for the Union. Because you could go back and back and back. And when was the last good forward the Philadelphia Union have had? It's Kasper Shabilko. <laughs> He is the only answer on it. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. CJ Sapong had a 16-goal year, like, two years ago. And it was like, oh, did we fix it? Oh, did we got Jay Simpson? Did he fix it? Oh, boy. The next Bradley Rod Phillips, Jay Simpson. Or so they said. Yeah, exactly. Get someone from the from Leighton Orient. He'll, he'll get it done. Uh, without him, it's Andrew Vooten, who, again, for a period of time, they're like, oh, he's going to oh, he's coming from Germany. This is the guy. This is the guy. Haven't seen it with him. But you'd have to imagine if... Shabil goes out, it has to be Vooten. 
I would prefer Pico up top as someone who can run beyond the opponents. Because uh, then you'd probably also see Aronson and uh, Montero in that, and maybe some sort of four-two-three-one across those attacking mids. Are they going to switch the formation? Do you think they'd be that willing to switch the formation? Haven't they gone four-four-two diamond pretty strictly, or no? Have they been more fluid in their formation? They've been fluid. It depends. Uh, it depends who's going to be fit. Because if if they don't have a winger, if Pico is their only winger, uh, you'd assume that they would maybe play. You know, fully fit. You, I'd say the four four two with uh Medunian, Bedoya, Montero, and either Aronson or Fabian uh as a as a ten, and then Shabilko with either Pico, Fabian, or Vooten as the other striker. Uh but that's if the team is fully healthy. If not, I would assume you're gonna see a, a Montero playing defensive mid, Aronson either on the right or attacking mid, Pico uh on the wing. But they are fluid with it. Um, and it kind of, it does a lot of the time come down to Jamiro Montero. He kind of has a free role while Mon, um, Harris Madunian sits. Uh, I mean, they did not look at their best with Shabilko and uh, Bedoya out against New York City at home, losing, what was it, 2-1. Uh, and in truth, in their past five games, 1-1-3, one, one, and three, three losses to end the season. However, at home, 3-1-1. One, and one. So it kind of tells two different stories depending how you look at it. How much faith would you have in the union? Uh, it's tough. I mean, they they have they've never won a playoff game. I mean, never. No one on the team really has any major playoff experience. I mean, how many guys on this team have played in a Bedoya. big game? Bedoya. Bedoya's played in World Cup. Yeah, and that's like pretty much it. I would think, like looking at the roster. Andre Blake has played in some Gold big Concacaf game. Oh, Gold Cup final, correct? Yeah, but yeah. Harris I- Madunian has played in Spain in... Uh, I think it was Italy and Israel. He's he's played at a high enough level. He's a leader in the team. Montero's played in France. Yes. That said, other than Bedoya and Blake, none of them have played in a knockout format. I mean, Medunian also has played with Bosnia in like Euro qualifiers and World Cup qualifiers. So there's a certain amount of experience. But it's not the right experience. On the other side, the Red Bulls... We've got plenty of experience losing in the playoffs. ...have plenty of experience, but maybe not always the good one. Yeah. For both teams, it's breaking a streak. Because winning is a mentality. Winning's a uh, a habit. You know what they say. I think it's a little bit of a cliche. But I, I just said it. So <laughs> I, I got to stick by it now. And you would... Both of these teams need playoff wins. The Red Bulls maybe a little bit less. They have won in the playoffs, but they've yet to put together a playoff run. Yeah, and I think Jim Curtin, I, I, he did a fantastic job this year, and I think he should be a finalist for Coach of the Year. I don't know if they've released finalists yet. It'll be Bob Bradley. We're all. I, I don't think Jim will win. I just mean I think he's like a top three kind of candidate. Yeah, he is a finalist, okay. uh, but it's got to be, of course, either yeah. um, Torrent or... But, but I, I still think the Heat's probably on them a little bit. They brought in, you know, a new GM or technical director, whatever you want to call the position. Tanner came in, and I thought, you know, it's a good guy. If they had a rough start of the year, Curtin would be on the hot seat. You know, usually you bring in a new technical director. He kind of wants his own guy to coach the team. Right. The game is huge for Jim Curtin. I think if they crash out in this style, as good as the season was, you know, how much are fans going to care? How how much are people really going to care if the Union have another year where it's like, oh well, we still didn't win a playoff game. Yeah, uh, that's definitely the case. 
the problem, yeah, I mean, so he comes from a Red Bull system, Ernst Tanner mm-hmm. in Salzburg. I think a lot of people thought he would bring his guy, but I, I also think that Curtin's kind of been given, do what I say, you know, in these things, and you'll be good. I think the four four two isn't Curtin's idea. I think the Curtin loves the four two three one. Uh, I think he plays that four four two because of Tanner. Um, I think he's okay. I think he's kind of earned himself another chance uh, to work with this team, get Montero on a full time basis, get rid of Fabian. Work, you know, he worked with Aronson, with Trusty, with McKenzie, and the youth team. He worked with a lot of those other guys, uh, and now they're coming up to the first team, and now he's had a chance to incorporate them. Uh, but he would definitely get some sort of hot seat. We're going to move on now to the other games in the East. Uh, interesting one. Toronto is hosting DC United after United was held to a draw by nine-man FC Cincinnati at home in the last game of the season. Absolutely brutal. Fans were, of course, wanting Olsen out, Armis out, Olsen out. You're talking curtain out. It seems no coach is safe of the three playoff teams we've talked about so far. Even Greg Vanny's had a tough time just two years after winning MLS Cup. I think things aren't looking good for DC United. Yeah, I, I completely agree. DC uh, getting shut out against a nine-man Cincinnati team who was by far the worst team in the league at home. One of the worst teams ever. Yes. Not just – they have the worst defenses ever. Ever yes, correct. In MLS. And, and getting shut out in that manner. Rooney, I, I think he's a warrior, but I just think, you know, hasn't really been up to it as much this year, especially late in the year since he announced he was going back to Derby. I think it's Derby, yeah. And, you know, Acosta just hasn't been the same player he was last year either. I don't think Acosta plays. Yeah, he had that move fall through. and He's never been the same. Yeah. Rooney, I think, has picked it up a little bit. He had that lull afterwards for about a month. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he's been uh, taking over kind of Acosta's playmaker role. He drops a bit deeper. He picks it up, which works in a couple levels because Paul Ariola's a runner. Yeah, he's kind of like a almost Red Bull in the style of he's he wants to run. He wants to get behind. Uh, See, so you, you, when a forward drops deep like that, you need someone else to be making those runs beyond him. Unfortunately, that means a guy like Ulysses Segura is probably going to play. Correct who I think is just not a good enough player to be playing in the playoffs. I would say this game probably doesn't come down to as much of what DC does. I think you know what you're going to get with them. I think they're an average team this year, despite you know starting really hot and ending hot last year. This game comes down to what Toronto we're going to see, because they've been unbelievable recently. Yeah, 10 matches unbeaten, I believe. And it seems like this is the Toronto that we thought they could be. The Tor- I mean, this isn't too different a team that won MLS Cup and broke records, you know, broke all the records two years ago. Pozuelo is not that much worse than Sebastian Giovinco. Oh, talking about Carlos- hollow territory. I think I think Giovinco has fallen that with like Carlos Vela, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Joseph Martinez have been playing. Giovinco's. Uh, his one MVP year was incredible, but yeah, I, I agree. Pozuelo is a great player, and he's he's picked up a lot of slack for them. He was really poor through a long periods in the middle, but and towards the end, it seems like he's done better. Of course, the big question has always been: Is Josie Altador healthy? Because those two play way way better together. And he dropped out of the U.S. Men's National Camp, so that makes a big question mark. Do our Toronto that ten match unbeaten team? 
without Josie? Oh, that's the big question. It's always the question with Toronto. It's always the question with the national team. Is Josie going to play? Is he fully fit? I think if Josie plays this game and is even 75% fit, I'm extremely confident Toronto will win. Josie gets such a bad rap, and I don't get it. He's far and away the best striker the U.S. has. Correct. He's just never healthy. He's never healthy, and you know you have the failures that you have with the the yeah, obviously the the game that will not be named in Cuba two years ago. But you just named it. Yeah, I, all, I didn't name it. <laughs> but but all these all these people on Twitter who give him so much flack and everything, I, I definitely think it's undeserved. He's. I mean, because he went to the Premier League, went to the a team that no forward could play for in Sunderland. Yes, and whole city. And then he came, and then he came back to MLS after that, and it looked like he came with his tail between his legs, despite the massive contract he was getting. Josie plays in this game. Pozuelo plays. Bradley plays. This Toronto team is fit. I think they go. I think they go past. And United. Honestly, even without Josie, I think they probably still go past United. United's just anemic in attack. The only chance I give them. And Red Bull did this a few years ago, the year Toronto ended up winning the treble. We had Tyler Adams just harass Michael Bradley all over the field. I would just do that. I would have Paul Areola just harass Michael Bradley all over the field because I think that's the only chance. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Bradley is definitely slowing down. My problem with Bradley is he's also a good player. He gets a lot of slack. doesn't get enough slack because of how much he makes, because of his role. But most of it comes down to how they want him to play. The, the guy isn't, you know, and this may be being kind to Harris Medunian, but he's not Harris Medunian. He's not a defensive playmaker. He's always been a guy who wins the ball back, who's big, he's strong. But most of what he does is he just, he can ping the diagonal, but he's recycling it. He gets the ball and it goes wide. It goes out the other way. Get the ball out the other way. He's not moving that's his problem with the national team. We'll get to that later uh, because they are playing in Toronto uh, this Tuesday. I think DC's only chance is if they get an early penalty or Rooney just ends up hitting a long shot because Toronto's weakest point is probably in goal with Quentin Westberg. That guy's got a mistake waiting to happen. Yeah, uh, like like many goals in MLS, he has a mistake waiting to happen. But yeah, um, I, I, think- I, I agree. They need an, They need an early goal or... They need a lead at some point in this game. They cannot be chasing the game, or else I think they're certainly going 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 out this round. Because on paper, I think DC have a really good back six or so. Their center backs are solid. Their fullbacks are real solid. Uh, Knaus, I think, was a little overhyped last year. But he's a good player. Junior Moreno, I think, is a really good player. Steve Birnbaum's is probably the most underrated center back in MLS. He kind of just skates by every year and doesn't really get much praise because he's very solid. The team around him was awful until last year, but Steve Birnbaum, correct. He is one of the guys, I think him and Briant are some of the guys who could deal with Josie. The problem is, I don't think Junior Moreno, as good as he is, or Russell Knaus, will be able to completely keep Pozuelo under control. And then you get the guy. I think it's going to be Dick, Nick De Leon. It's going to is going to score in the 80th minute. Oh, that'd be it's brutal. Gonna be, it's going to be two one, and he is going to take his shirt off. And <laughs> you think he'd do that to a DC giant, fans? He's going to show a giant DC United tattoo oh. that's been crossed out with Toronto. Now <laughs> he's got the the outline of Toronto ready to go. <laughs> that's what's going to be happening. You're going to see the, a tattoo in work from De Leon. He did score against DC in June in a one one draw in DC. Uh, they also played in Toronto to a nil-nil draw. I wouldn't be surprised if they play for that, a nil-nil draw again. 
but I don't think Toronto will be held off the scoreboard. I think they go through. Last in the East, last game, Atlanta hosting the New England Revolution. They did just play in Atlanta. Last week, Atlanta won 3-1. Nagby scored in the third minute. Christian Pania in the eighth thought, okay, maybe we got ourselves a game. And then Atlanta put it away with between Joseph and Gressel in the second half. This will be a game where I think we'll say either Bruce Arena is a genius or the Revolution had no chance. Yeah, I, Those are the two avenues we're working with. Yeah, that sounds like U.S. soccer Twitter. So that sounds, <laughs> that sounds correct. I think the key to the game... It's going to be Miles Robinson. We saw another, you know, we talked so much about injuries. It's unfortunate so many of these key guys seem to be dealing with injuries on the eve of the playoffs. But Miles Robinson if, called into the U.S. national team. He, I think he told his hamstring. Yeah, the U23s, but then was called up to the senior team when Walker Zimmerman Walker picked Zimmerman, up an injury. Yep. And then he was running, I believe, cool down sprints after the Cuba match and hurt his hamstring. And now is up in the air for the match. And he's really focal to the way they play. They keep him behind the ball and push a lot of numbers forward because he's so athletic. They're able to get away with it because he can really chase down counterattacks. He saves them every game. He makes a last, at least one last-ditch challenge. I would assume New England Revolution, I'm going to have Teal Bunbury up top running, 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 running the channels, going long, opening up space for uh, Carlos Heel, for Gustavo Bo to come inside. Without Miles Robinson... You could see an upset here. Yeah, I wonder if they have to change the way they play if he misses the match. Because they, re- I mean, Franco Escobar is mobile, but he's not mobile like Miles Robinson is mobile. You would assume they're going to have to play Pogba on the, a three-man back line with Pogba, uh, Gonzalez Pires in the middle, and Franco Escobar uh, on the other side with Gressel as other, uh, one of the wing backs, Merrim on the other side. Another issue, I just think Atlanta's had problems tracking. As good as Nagby is, he's not the guy who wants to run back. And under Tata Martino, it was easier for Eric Rometty to kind of sit in front of the defense and just kind of stand there. Now he kind of roams around and floats more. And we see it a lot when teams can play it into their center forward and run off. The midfielders don't want to track. The wingbacks aren't defensively minded. They don't want to track. And now you've got 3v3s, 4v3s in the counter. I think if there's a chance Bruce Arena pulls it out. But now we got a full, almost a full strength Atlanta front line with Barco coming back, Pity coming back, uh, with Joseph healthy, uh, potentially. Uh, that's the news now, given he played last time. And you don't see Atlanta not scoring at least two or three goals with that front line against that New England back line. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Bruce is a great coach. Again, another guy who probably takes a little more crap online than he should. Um, but great MLS coach. But I just think the talent, Atlanta, uh, I mean, they're just loaded with talent across the board. I do think they are a little defensively susceptible, like you said. Nagby, we've seen him with the national team many times. He doesn't really want to track back and defend. But, yeah, I I think if we see PT, although PT is really the question mark for them. He's been so up and down all year. But Joseph is bagging at least one goal on this game. And I I, I just I got to go with Atlanta. They're playing at home. Just won the game last week. And they're the kind of team that knows they're going to win a game like this. They've been there. They have the experience. They're coming into this match knowing that they're going to win. It's not going to be a fun place to play. I just can't see Wilfred Zahibo not getting a red card. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a red he, waiting to happen. <laughs> this New England defensive mids, real issue. 
Def- defenders, I mean, Andrew Farrell kind of going to center backs worked. Brandon By is an okay fullback. I just, ugh, that, as much as, Bruce Arena can only do so much with what he's got. Carlos Heel, in my mind, is a top five player in the league. Uh, Newcomer of the year. I think he deserves something like that. I, every time I watch him play, I'm like, this guy, I think he's probably the most technically sound player in the league. Just straight up, as good as Vela is, Vela is just smart. Vela can hit a curler, he'll make runs. Carlos Heel's not that, he's not quick, he's not fast, he's not strong. He's a little Spanish guy who knows how to play with the ball. And even under Brad Friedel, he was lighting up other teams in games where no one was doing anything. And if this is if there's a chance to step up, this is it for him. So are you are you picking New England, Emmett? Are you leaning New England? I think it's going to be 3-1. Same score for Atlanta. Same score. I really want New England to win because I've been I I think Carlos Heels my Carlos I'm not going to say think. I'm going to just flat out say it. Carlos Heels my favorite player to watch in the league. Favorite player. Carlos Heel. Gustavo Bo I think has got a goal in him. Uh, Christian Pania has come back into form. I don't know how uh, Bruce Arena works that because potentially that means Bunbury drops and Bo goes up top. Sometimes Bo's been playing left mid. Maybe it means Heel goes to the right, but that's you. You know he's going to come centrally. You got to rely on Brandon By to play on the wing. I I can't see them winning the game, but they could scare him as they did this last time when they got the equalizer. Let's move on to the West now. Uh, we have right now, of course, we'll go through predictions in the East first. What do you think the score of the Union Red Bull game is going to be? Oh, you know, everything tells me in my head that the Red Bulls are going to lose this game, but I, I got to go with got to go with my heart, got to go with the guys. 2-1 Red Bulls for me. You're you're absolutely insane. You're not terrible. Uh it's going to be 2-2. It's going to go to penalties and the Red Bulls are going to win because the Union always lose on penalties. Uh, easy choice for that one. You can put money on it, tweet at me, uh, uh, and you'll see. I, you know, I'll take a cut about it uh, if you put money on that. Toronto, D.C., I, I think this is going uh, either 3-1 Toronto or 2-0 Toronto. Yeah, I, I'll go I'll go 2-0 Toronto as well. Uh, I just think, yeah, too much, way, way too much offensive talent compared to D.C.'s offensive talent, I think. And Atlanta, New England. I think it's going to be 3-1 again. Maybe 3-2 with New England getting an, a garbage-time goal. Yeah, I'll say 4-2. I think Atlanta runs riot. You have to think Atlanta, this is their time to show up. Uh, they landed last year. They didn't look pretty, but they got it done. They have the players to know it. There you have it. Uh, now to the West. First game, Seattle hosting FC Dallas 2-7. versus seven. The big question, I think, is for Dallas, can youth... That youth team, young team, it's not a youth team, but... Lucy Gonzalez, former youth coach, can they undo a Seattle team that is finally looking like it's starting to become healthy, but has just about zero depth? Yeah, I mean, first of all, on behalf of all U.S. national team fans, I want to personally thank Lucy Gonzalez for developing what seems like half of our youth national team pipeline. So thank, so thank you to him for that. Um, and yeah, that's the question. You got the youth against the experience of Seattle. Um, Dallas has only ever won once in their history in Seattle. Um, so they're kind of going up against history there as well. Um, but yeah, Dallas, uh, they got into the playoffs on the last day. Um, but Convincingly. Convincingly, yes. But at the same they time. routed Sporting Kansas City. A, a, yeah, 6-0 I believe it was. But 
Yeah. Just a lot of experience with Seattle. I know they're not deep, like you said, but um, I think Seattle's just kind of the stronger side here. Playing at home, obviously, they're going to have a great crowd. And, yeah, I mean, just looking at it on paper, I definitely lean towards Seattle on this one. I can't see with guys like Ladero, this team not controlling the game, or at least just crushing Dallas in the counter. Uh, on paper, there's some real talent. Jordan Morris seems to be finding uh, his stride now. He's been in very good form. He's got a goal in him. Uh, he's kind of been moving over to the left wing, uh, and that's worked so far. Obviously, Ladero likes to drift to that left, and Brad Smith, I think one of the best left backs in the league as well, uh, on that attacking-wise at least. Uh, actually, two very good left backs in this game. Ryan Hollingshead, I think, deserves some, some recognition uh, for what he's been doing with Dallas, gotten almost no recognition from the national team. I think he deserves a call-up. But that left side could be the key uh, for Seattle, how that works. Obviously, I wonder if we'll see Victor Rodriguez when he played at the end of was the end of last year, beginning of this year. He was very good. Uh, but just if they're healthy, I think Seattle's good. I don't think they're second place in the West good. A conference that is consistently has seven or eight teams that have potential to get to the, at least the semifinals any given year. It's not like the East where a team will squeeze into seventh who you're like, oh, I can't believe they made it, and then they'll lose in the first round. Uh, so I, I think Seattle pulled out, but their question will be, how is their defense going to perform? Because recently it's been very good. Three shutouts out of four to end the season, but there's a period of time when Chad Marshall left where obviously Roman Torres had some good years, but it seems those are behind him. Uh, Javier Arriaga hasn't really f- been great. Kim Kihi's been good, but they've been missing that leader. We know Seattle can be a defensive force, but will they? Yeah, I think that's the question. And has Arriaga, he's really, I guess, kind of nailed down that spot at this point, right? It will be him and Kim Kihi. It se- doesn't seem like Torres is out in the clear from his PED scare, is what we'll call it. Uh, so I do think we'll see Arriaga and Kim Kihi. Uh they have to wrestle with the Cobra. A tough act. They're going to have to. They're going to fight the Cobra. And I don't see a lot of g- people coming out good against the Cobra. We saw him play against England, scored the winner. Listen, I'll put it out there. If the 80 million pound Harry Maguire cannot defend the Cobra. Zdenek Andrasek. Good pronunciation there. Thank you. Most people can't can't pull that out. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's in good form. I do see Dallas getting a goal. They have a good defense. Like, Dallas, across the board, is solid. But I don't think that they have that spark. I don't think that they can... If Seattle defends well, I think this one is going to be another shutout for them. I agree, and I don't trust Dallas's keeper either, Jessica Dallas. And I do trust Stephen Clark. Are you with the goalies? You know me as a card-carrying member of the goalkeepers' <laughs> union. i got to start backing these people up. Well, I do, trust, I do trust Stephen Fry. You trust Stefan? Yes, Stefan Fry. Stefan Fry. For I, thought, I, was, I thought you were saying Stefan and Fry. Well, both of them. Yeah. yeah. I think I think um, Stefan Fry is slightly overrated. He's got his stats to back him up, and I can never argue with that. But when I watch him play, um, he doesn't have that. He's really solid, right? He does most things right. He's got a howler in him, though. Yes. Every year, he's got three or four. So do a lot of keepers in the league, to be fair. He's got some bad ones. 
but he is, I think, he's someone you, you, you're you willing to rely on. He made that one save, I think, when they won MLS Cup against Toronto. Yeah, that was incredible. And everyone was wetting the bed over. And I just, I watched that and I was like... His footing was, was wrong in the ball. first place. Yeah, he like he put himself in a terrible position. He looked like he was falling. Like, do you know how like have you ever seen someone play football and <laughs> someone throws them a pass and they run with their arms outstretched? <laughs> and you're like, no, you don't. You don't run with your arms out. You go just at the very end to catch it. He looks like that sometimes, and I think it slows him down. Don't get me wrong; he's a fantastic keeper, but I think he's overrated. That's fair. I think Jesse Gonzalez uh, made some waves in the beginning, has since fallen off. And now it's up to him to turn that around. Uh, I think he's got it in him to be uh, a fantastic MLS keeper for the future. He could be one like Nick Ramondo, who plays for Real Salt Lake. It's one more home game against the Portland Timbers in the next match in the Western Conference. Great segment. Thank you. That was pretty good, right? I mean, Jesse Gonzalez, he could be a Nick Ramondo type. That's true. You give him a tough time. He's not going to be Tim Howard. He's not going to be Brad Guzon, who also is... Gets way too much criticism. Fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, but he could be a Romando type. And I and Romando at 41 is still killing it with Real Salt Lake. Never won goalkeeper of the year. Incredible. Unbelievable. Maybe he should win it this year. Nice gesture. That's, that's a, sorry, Tim Howard. I know you're retiring as well. <laughs> but uh, He's got plenty of awards. This, yeah, you, you don't need any more. Your team's, your team's stunk for too long. Portland Timbers, of course, played 13 of 14 home games to end the season and barely won any of them. Uh, one of them was a win against Real Salt Lake, though, at home. Diego Valeri scoring that first half. Uh, but they also won in May in Salt Lake City. Is that is that, is that, is that team play in Salt Lake City? I believe they play in Sandy, Utah. In Utah, uh, they did win. That was before Brian Fernandez came, but there are question marks about if he'll be available. Yeah, we'll see with Brian Fernandez. That's really the question of the match. Um, he's in the, I believe it's the Substance Abuse and Behavioral Health Program currently, and I believe needs to be cleared. It's a great name for a program. Yes, and needs to be cleared by an independent team doctor, or an independent doctor, not a team doctor. That would be the opposite of an independent doctor. Uh, before he can, <laughs> before Before he can play in this match. So... Obviously, that's a huge question. Fernandez has been a, a huge spark for them. Um, he's been fantastic. He's been very solid, I'd say, since coming coming over. Uh, he started great, but let me put this out there for you. You'll think I'm crazy. I don't want Fernandez playing for me if I'm Portland. Really? Portland's better without Fernandez. So who's playing he's up top for you, Abobise? Yeah, Abobise. Because they've like he's easy. played so much on the wing and up top, and it seems like with both the national team and his club, no one really knows what this kid's best position. Where should we play him? It's because he's talented, because he can play those other positions. Yeah. Play him up top. Gio Savare say, trust me, I have a very good record with these things. <laughs> You'll have to listen back to previous episodes of the American Soccer Show to find out. I'm not going to do that legwork. you got to do it, Gio. But, I, the, listen, he came in, he started strong. But when he's been in, he hasn't done anything for me. He doesn't do the movement. He's a talented player, don't get me wrong. But sometimes he can be selfish in the box. Sometimes his movement is non-existent. He doesn't link up well with Valeri and Blanco enough. Ibobase, he's going to drop deep. He's going to come get the ball. He's also going to get in the box, and he's going to get on the end of headers. He's not a great finisher. He's still missing that. Don't get me wrong. But you know who is a good finisher? Diego Valeri, Sebastian Blanco. 
Those are guys I trust to put the ball in the net. A lot of experience with those guys. And two guys who can kind of just win you a match out of nothing, which was kind of the recipe for them last year, and they got all the way to MLS Cup. So, And I think and I think that's going to happen again. Not MLS Cup. I, I think that they pull this one out. If Fernandez doesn't play, if Aboba stays up top, of course it means now you need someone on the right. Darren Esprit, I guess. I don't care. You need, Andy Polo, I think, is not done the job. So, yeah, there it is. Darren Asprea. Let him run around. Let him do running. Let Valeri and Blanco get on the ball. I think, because you think about this, Portland struggled when teams sat back. Yes. Teams are on the road. They go into this new impose, this imposing, renovated stadium, and Portland couldn't break them down because their forward didn't get involved in the play. He just sat in front of the two defenders who were bent, essentially playing man down. With Boba say you're not going to get that. With Real Salt Lake... They're not going to sit back. So there's going to be chances to hit on the counter. Yeah, I agree. I think RSL, it's tough. They don't play on national TV a lot. You don't hear about them as much. I feel like they're always just kind of under-talked about in terms of a lot of the other really solid teams in the league. They finished third in the West. It's a great accomplishment. They lost their coach in the middle of the season. My beloved Mike Pecky, shout out to him. Um, As well as, you know, just kind of overcoming all the kind of lack of attention they've gotten throughout the season. I think it's tough when you're a team that doesn't get a lot of buzz. Um, Happened last year, too. But at the same time, you know, they've lost their last five games against teams that are in the playoffs. Um, They've won a lot of games this year against teams that they should beat. But against the top teams that are still left, they've struggled. So it's hard to to really take them seriously. I know they're playing at altitude. Um, it's 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 an advantage for them. Uh, But at the same time, you have to look at Portland's experience. They did this exact same thing last season with this kind of recipe of, well, we'll sit back, counter, and it plays right into their hands for this match as well. You would think RSL wants to go out on the front foot because they're at home. And listen, last year, and this is not too different than an RSL team, they do have some good youth as well, I think, that deserves some chances with the national team. I think fullback's always an issue. Aaron Herrera, uh, Donnie Toya, uh, even Brooks Lennon's had a down year. Um, but that front four or so are so capable. And I think more capable, oh, that's tough, more capable than the Portland front four. Ooh, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> of, of Magic. Jefferson Savarino, I think he's going to be going for an eight-figure deal after this season. Absolute stud on the right. Um, Albert Rusnak, who is, since Mark Hamschick's fallen off, now the guy for Slovakia, uh, which is a, uh, an average team in Euro, but an average team in Impressive Europe nonetheless. Is still, it's still probably better than the U.S. Uh, Dimir Kralak at times. I mean, listen, it's just every year RSL has like five or six guys who have over 10 goal involvements uh, between goals and assists. Uh, whether it's Krylak, whether it's Rusnak. Now Sam Johnson's been playing up top. I don't love him there. I think Krylak is the false nine worked. Uh, they brought in a good defensive man in Everton Louise. On the left, uh, Corey Baird is good. He's got goals in him. He can. He's got some dynamic ability. But I think in that front four, say, say it's uh, Krylak, Rusnak, Baird, and Salvarino. I think that front four is more capable than any Portland front four, even if Brian Fernandez is in, because honestly, Brian Fernandez, I don't think he's got anything in him currently, outside of Valerian Blanco. You know, well, we say outside of Valerian Blanco, but Valerian Blanco carried the team to MLS Cup last season. 
I mean, those Correct. guys are fantastic. Like, Correct. They created goals out of nothing. Valeri's an MVP. He's fantastic. He's one of the five best players of the past decade of MLS. He's been he's been fantastic for them. And I know he's got this contract dispute, apparently, but I still think when the chips are down, he's going to come through for them. Yeah. He, well, I think it seems like he might be gone at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, but the best winger in this game is going to be Jefferson Savarino. Because Blanco, while he plays wide, is more of an attacking mid. Uh, on that left cutting in. He, the best attacking mid, Rusnak, I think, links up better with those around him. I think he's got a better shot than Valeri. Not better than Blanco. Blanco's got a better shot, better finisher. Uh, but Valeri works harder. He makes more runs. He's more unselfish. RSL have that. What they don't have is Diego Chara. And that's it for me. I, and and that's and that'll do it. I I back RSL's attacking quality. And yeah, I mean, unless you listen to a lot of episodes on the show, you'd know Eric uh, has made a running. I will say it's a bit of just he just doesn't understand salt. Like, oh, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And they pulled it out. Honestly, last year they should have been in the Western Conference Finals. They had some massive, massive blunders against Sporting Kansas City that gave away goals, uh, missed opportunities. They're a team when nobody gives them any chance, nobody gives them any credit, they pull through. That said, I think people give them some credit because Portland play, been playing like Dookie recently. So I'm going to give Portland credit in this one and say they pull it out. I agree. I'll go with Portland, although I will say we've been talking a lot of goalies. Definitely goalie edge to RSL. Trust Nick Romando. Romando, he's a good guy. He's really good with his feet. Love watching that guy distribute. Last game in the West... Speaking of fantastic goalies, <laughs> Minnesota United versus LA Galaxy. Which one do you think I was going to go with? There? The great, v- the great Vito Manone. Vito, hey, Bingham does a job though for the Galaxy. He's fine. MLS veteran. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, they get they allow too many shots. He had the most saves in the league. He's got year. the worst. Def- yeah, he's got the worst defense in the league. In front shot, of him. He had the most so, saves. Yeah, I think the problem is nobody cares about this game. Because they just want to see the Galaxy win and play LAFC. Yes, I had one note for this match, and it was every single league member wants El Trafico 3 for this year. So I, I'm hoping there aren't a lot of 50-50 potential calls to decide this game if I'm get, a Minnesota United fan. Get Ted Uncle out there <laughs> and tell him to blow the damn whistle. <laughs> and emphatically point to the penalty spot. Yeah, I don't care what spot it is, because Bingham's going to save it. So is Minone, to be honest. These two teams played early in the season twice in March. Yeah, haven't in, played since April. In April in a 0-0 draw uh, in Minnesota. The question is, after being out for over four months, uh, Roman Alessandrini might be back. Oh, wow. I didn't even see that, actually. He returned to training uh, back in September. I don't know if they rush him in, but you have to think that the Galaxy look a whole lot better if it's not just Pavone and Ibrahimovic. Because people forget, Alessandrini is a DP for the Galaxy. He's a quality player. Well, he is, or maybe he isn't. They've changed the rules for the Galaxy for the DPs 17 different times, so it's hard to keep track. But yes, Alessandrini is fantastic, but I just think that's really not the issue with the Galaxy. Their defense is horrible. It's bad defense. I think... The thing is, on paper, okay, Rolf Felcher is a Venezuelan international. He is, but he's never looked like that for the Galaxy. He, I've never seen him 
look like a, a, a starting quality MLS fullback. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Giancarlo Gonzalez is a quality defender. I think Diego Polenta is... He's not good, Emmett. That is what you're looking for. Is that what it is in a defender? If a defender can't mark, he's not good? He's poor. Oh, my. He, he, the dude can play the ball forward. How yes. about that? Uh, here's the problem. Is a lot of times defenders, it's, oh, but he's really good. First thing, oh, but he's really good on the ball. Yeah, but he's a defender. Yes. He's got to be able to defend first. I call that the Michael Murillo conundrum. He's really good on the ball, but can't defend. And that, I don't think, is the sole problem for the Galaxy. There's a, I mean, they don't have a left back. Was Jorgen Skjelvik going to play there? Or Steris, maybe? Has Steris played yeah. out there? Yeah. Um, Dave Romney played for a half a couple times. Uh, there are issues. I think the bigger issue is that the Galaxy don't have a pure defensive midfielder who covers the defense. Yeah, and Jonah's done an admirable job this year, but I Jonah's agree. Great. They, don't, they don't have the right balance in midfield either. But he, And listen, he's great on the ball. He works hard, but when next playing next to him is Joe Corona, I mean, I think Jonah's closer to an eight. Joe Corona's also an eight, sometimes shying on, hey, we'll just call him an eight. Legette is a 10 or an eight. I mean, these are all guys who have attacking first mentalities. It's a quality midfield, but there's they got to work hard. And the best I've seen from the Galaxy is when they're going all out and they're clogging four guys in the midfield. When Christian Pavone is back winning the ball next to Sebastian Legette uh, and Dos Santos is sitting. And, of course, that game is against LAFC. Do it in other games. Just do it in other games. LAFC is good. It's not like they're bad and you can only play against bad teams. That's the other thing. How up for this game are these Galaxy stars going to be? You have to think they're looking forward to LAFC. You're going to Minnesota. It'll be chilly. It's going to be cold, I assume. They're playing a college, a Division three college football game on the field the day before the game, which is why. But I saw that on Twitter by a verified account, so I believe it to be true. And I just wonder, yeah, how up for this game are these guys going to be? Uh, Zlatan, obviously he scored, I don't know the exact number, but he scored near or close or at 30 goals this year. I believe he scored 30. But at the same time, it seems like, you know, he's up for the big games, The lot, but when... They're not huge opponents. He's kind of just kind of coasting through games until somebody needs him to flip a switch. And we'll see. The Minnesota back line's pretty solid. Ico Parra is possibly the defender of the year. Ico Parra will handle Zlatan. The problem is Zlatan will probably shy towards going over towards... Uh, Michael Boxall. Michael Boxall. Yes. Who's fine. He's a big enough dude that I think he might be able to handle himself. He's not Ico Parra. He's not Igopara, who I think will who will handle. I think Zlatan struggles against physically imposing defenders. When he can bully them, he does well. Because then you can, because then when the Galaxy say, "Oh, I guess we'll just launch it to Zlatan," then he can play with it. If he's not winning that ball, then oh wow, the Galaxy you just sent three guys to run off of him, and now they're going the other way. Minnesota's issue is they don't really have a front line who's anyway reliable. Darwin Quintero started off well. We thought he was going to be a stud. I have been really unimpressed with him. Mason Toy's still young. He's got potential. He's got you, think Mason Toy, you think Mason Toy starts this game? I think Angelo Rodriguez was dealing with injury. I think he's back, and they're going to put him in. I would put 
Mason Toy for the sole purpose of he moves around. Yeah. And Diego Polenta doesn't move around. True. So you got someone who's going to be able to get off of the players. Angelo Rodriguez wants to hold it up. He hasn't really worked well with Darwin Quintero. And honestly, no one has recently. Uh, on the wing, they got Thomas Chacon, who's they signed to a young DP contract. Haven't seen anything out of him. Robin Lodd's been playing. Finnish international. Don't know. He's fine. He hasn't shown too much, but he's got he had a decent price tag on him. He's got some decent pedigree, too. I feel like they kind of need him to come through more, though. And this is the big thing in MLS that's, that's important and that will win you games, is those middle four players. So that's Aikopara, Boxall, Jan Gregush, Ozzy Alonso. I think they're the difference makers for Minnesota. They're the guys who are going to make the, make it tick. They're at home. Gray Goosh is one of the best midfielders in the league. Best 11? Yeah, probably. Well, as they don't put defensive midfielders in the best 11, unfortunately. To be fair, for Young Gray as Goosh, he, he's gotten the freedom to move forward. He leads the team in assists from defensive midfield. Garvin Quintero, eat your heart out. Do something, you're a 10. <laughs> the problem is, if they, you had a Minnesota team who I'm not convinced can score a goal against a Galaxy team who I know can't prevent a goal. Yeah, it's a classic contrast in styles, but at that point, I, you almost have to lean Slaton because they have Slaton. And, by the way, we haven't even mentioned Christian Pavone, who is maybe the most Fantastic. expensive player if you were going to look at transfer market. Maybe in all of MLS. I think Vela is a decent shout. True. Uh, he's, Pavone's age, I was thinking more, but yeah, probably not. He's shown a little bit of too much apathy that has made it, uh, him less valuable. That's... A good point. He definitely is. I mean, he's a guy who was playing the World Cup and was looking at potential deals to Arsenal. Yes. The Galaxy will score as good as Minnesota's defense has gotten. You have to think that the Galaxy are going to get a call. Pavone will do something. Eber will do something. You've mentioned him being a big game player, but before he came to MLS, Ibrahimovic choked in these big Champions League games. For AC Milan, for Barcelona, for Inter Milan, for PSG, he didn't show up against these big top teams. True, won a lot of League Cups, though. Yeah, and then he'd go out against, like, Lecce (laughs) in Serie A, and he'd score from half field four times. You don't, but since coming to MLS, yeah, he has stepped up in the big games, and I think he will do it here. And since we do want El Trafico, we're going to go with a 3-2 LA Galaxy win. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going with the Hawks, I'm I'm going with Minnesota. I'm going to do well. I'm going with Minnesota. I, I'm going Minnesota 2-1. I think they get a moment of magic from Darwin. Wins them the game. I think they're defensively solid enough that they can kind of keep Ebro and that front line at bay. I, and let's not forget best right back in the league, Roman Metinere. Mr. Madagascar. Fantastic season. Best right back in the league. Left back, they've had some issues. No, Chase Gasper's holding it down. Chase Gasper's fine. But he's been the steady starter for them, I think. Yeah, they have a couple other guys. Assigning Dotson rotates in. They have some other guys. Uh, The problem is, there's not really a lot going on on the right. Uriel Antuna will make a lot of runs, but I don't think he's got too much to threaten. I like Minnesota. I want to see Minnesota do well. Yeah. Their fans deserve it. They they brought a team in MLS that was essentially an NASL-quality team. Yes. The way FC Cincinnati in a way, was a USL-quality team. Yes. Despite some of the stupid purchases like Darren Maddox they had. Now that Eric's not here, I can continue to bash him. <laughs> uh, and they and they turned that around really well, and I think they deserve credit. And as much as I 
want to see Guillermo Barro Shalato do well. The Galaxy don't really have an identity. They don't really have anything other than let's launch it long to Zlatan or let's go over the top to Pavone. Minnesota won't let that happen. If anyone's going to shut down Pavone, it's Ramon Metaner. I just want to be... I, you know, I want to put something fresh out there, so that's why I'm going Galaxy to win, because I want to see that game. But I honestly, in my heart of hearts, I think Minnesota will win. Uh, other scores, what do we think, RSL, Portland? Um, whew, I'm going to go... I'm going with Portland because of the experience. I'll say... I'll say Portland on PKs, actually. 2-2 two, two PKs. on PKs. Love that. Love that choice. And Seattle-Dallas. I think we already went over that. 2 nothing Seattle. Yeah, I, I'll say 1-0 Seattle. 1-0. So here's a little tidbit from our pick so far uh, of the road games for winners. You've picked the Red Bulls. I picked the Red Bulls on penalties. We both picked Portland, and we're split on Galaxy, Minnesota, but think Minnesota will probably pull it off. Last year, in the knockout stage games, in the one-off wild cards, that first round, I don't know if you need more explanation on it, four games, three road teams went through. Portland beat FC Dallas and Dallas when Dallas was just hitting the absolute worst of worst form yeah. after starting well. They were playing like a non-playoff team going into that game. They were first place for a while, and then they dropped out of the buys mm-hmm. when Seattle overtook them with their great comeback. Uh, other ones, Columbus beat D.C. United when they were in fantastic form. The other one... Of course, LAFC losing at home to RSL cannot underestimate them, but now they're at home, so it doesn't really have that opportunity. And of course, the one team that didn't win on the road, you guessed it, those boys in blue that we love to love, the Philadelphia Union, who went into New York City and couldn't get it done. So fun little tidbit that as much as home field advantage is massive, these one-offs, we don't, oh man, you don't know. We're going to see at least one surprise here. Yeah, my surprise is, eh, I guess Portland's not even really a surprise, but yeah. I don't they, know. they have it in them. Mine's the Galaxy, I guess. Well, so here's the thing with the surprises is it, it'll be one you don't expect. It'll be a Dallas. It'll be a New England Revolution. The rest of them, I think, are pretty close. Yeah, I think I think it should be very even. We saw the standings this year. The West was a, was a total crapshoot. I mean, every seed besides LAFC was up for grabs until the final week, basically. And the East was not quite as open, but still a lot of parity, um, a lot of seeds up for grabs the last day. So I expect no it to be a lot secure. of drama. No one looks secure, really, except for New York City in the East yes. at the end. And they don't even know where they're going to play their playoff game, so I'm not sure how secure they are either. <laughs> oh, my God. We're, we're not going to get into that stadium talk just yet. Because, <laughs> oh, man, that is just... We're going to hold off because they got a buy. Yes. And we're interested to see how the teams with the buys... Uh, perform with that given two weeks off not playing international break and then not playing this weekend they got a real over two weeks off pretty much so there you have it run through those uh those games uh let us know what you think tweet us on the twitter i'm at emcconnell 92 i am at p murphy 929 tell us how uh how great we've gotten them tell us how much money you've made on the bets uh and before we finish up let's we'd be remiss if we didn't talk American soccer with the U.S. national team, who, of course, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, crushed Cuba 7-0. Who cares? <laughs> My Cuba thoughts defect. exactly. Cuba had one more player defect in, after the match. Nothing new there. I mean, it, it's like a college team. Every four years, they have a completely new roster. It's unbelievable how the coach is able to put together a full team. 
But the big one, they play Canada Tuesday, 7.30, BMO Field. Is it BMO? I, think they call I it believe BMO. they call it BMO. Every it's, time I hear it on TV, they say BMO, but it's spelled like an acronym. It still throws listen, me off, Emmett. Listen, I'm not, you know, I don't go to Pinka Bank. Yes. Or that's, I don't that's know what other acronym banks there are. Uh, I also don't live in Canada. Yes. I live in the great, great United States, like a normal American. Uh, it is the American soccer show. This is the American soccer show, but we are going to talk about Canada because I'm going to put this out there. I am rooting for them in this match. Wow. Wow. I Judas. Going Team Canada. Well, think about this. This game means almost nothing to the United States. That's not That's not entirely true, but I kind of feel what you're saying. Big picture. Well, you don't want to lose this game nothing. just because of the overall morale around the team. I think losing to Canada, who they haven't lost to in a competitive match since 1980, the morale... Yeah, is already crap. Yeah, but if they nobody, lose, nobody believes. Worse. Listen, they, they beat teams like uh, Cuba. They beat barely beat teams like Curacao. If they go out and crush Canada, it's like going to be their one decent result. Okay, do we really think things have turned around? I'm not going to say they turned around. I just think there's there's some more negative piling on if they if they lose this game to Canada but as I'm sure we'll discuss Canada is no no walkover at this point they've got a lot of talent especially on the attacking end Canada's good but like the Galaxy their defense is one of the worst things I've ever seen shocking ask Haiti ask Haiti about their their defense ask Haiti's a good team I like Haiti here's the thing the U.S. has played zero road games so far under Greg Berhalter zero 15 home games they don't know how to play on the road they're going to go to Canada. They're going to go to Trinidad and Tobago. They're going to go into Panama. And they're going to blow it like they always do. And until someone, until Greg Burhalter and Jay Burhalter and whoever else is in charge, all those Cordero guys. All the Burhalters. And they say, oh, let's see what podcast is on. Oh, the American Soccer Show. What's that have to say? He knows what he's talking about. Let's learn how to play on the road. Well, to be fair to them, they play games on the road. I don't care if they go. I I agree. I agree. They should, and that was one thing Klinsman got right. He played a lot of friendlies out in Europe, but most teams want to play us in the United States because of the revenue opportunities. It's that sweet, sweet green money. Yes, we love that, and we happily oblige. I would say that Canada has a group of forwards that walk into the U.S. starting lineup. A group of maybe four or five players that easily start. I I would certainly take their group of attacking players ahead of our group of attacking players. Alfonso Davies walks into the starting lineup. Besides Pulisic, Junior Hoylet walks into the starting lineup. Uh, I Am mean, I wrong? I, the only thing I'll say is if you're counting Hoylet as a winger, he's not starting ahead of Pulisic. Like you would have Davies. You will find a way to make these guys work. That that would. That's if fair. you add them yeah. into the lineup, you add those two in the lineup, they start. You'll play yeah. Pulisic at the 10. You'll play Davies. He's played some wing back as awful as that is to watch. As awful as that is. As much as that makes me want to close the game and go, I don't know, to the bathroom. I don't know what else I would do if I wasn't watching a soccer game. It, it hurts. Here's the other thing. Forward. We haven't had a good forward well, we've had good forwards, but we don't have good forwards now. Well, Jossie Zardes, Zardes, as always. Jossie Zardes gets a lot of criticism. He's consistently one of the best, highest goal scorers in MLS. Second this year to the great, the legend, Chris Wondolowski, who will not be getting a call out. Jonathan David walks into the lineup. True. 
fantastic. Liam Millar, Liverpool on loan, and uh, he he could he would probably play. We're giving Josh Sargent. A guy who's I like Josh. Don't, don't oh, okay, well, don't yeah. But he's Josh Sargent's. I just want to make clear, Josh Sargent's much further along in his development than Liam Millar. So let's not let's not quite throw this many stones at the U.S. team. Josh Sargent okay. starts every week for a Bundesliga team. He didn't start every week. He started every week for the past month. He's he's getting a lot more time, but he's by no means secure there. Lucas Cavallini would start every, would start every game for the U.S. I disagree. Josie's better. than Okay. The thing is, Josie's I, always I hurt. I think Josie is a very so he's good player. Huge, Josie's he's always hurt. Lucas he's Cavallini's huge variable. Yeah. Lucas Cavallini has been consistently good for the past five years with getting zero credit. Yeah, he saw it. Scott Arfield would walk into this team. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He would play. He a lot. offers so much. Yes. That, and this, like, I'd want like a guy like Bedoya playing in that role, and we keep getting Christian Roldan. Who I think is a great MLS player. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Rodon. But isn't that international quality? Oh, yeah. I'm a fan of his, but he's not he's not that. And that's He reminds fine. me of Bedoya, but not as good. Yeah. Scott Arfield is that. Scott Arfield was starting with Burnley. Yes. Now, now he's at Rangers. He's 30. This he, the guy's a leader in the field. Scott Arfield's a good he's a good player. I believe Mark he's Anthony their captain. K. Yeah, and he's their captain. Since Mark the Anthony Hutchinson. K. You know what? Here, here's another one. Sam Piet. He Sam will Piet. start. Piet oh. will start this match, no doubt, because they need Sam defensive Piet solidity. Is fine. Yeah. He but saw... the problem is the the U.S. defensive mids aren't much better. No, that's fair. I mean, it's I, what midfield do you think is going to start this match? Because I think we'll get a three. It'll be Bradley, Bradley McKenney, and Legette, If I had to guess, will probably be our three-man midfield. Um, but imagine if you could pick between both U.S. and Canada. Imagine if Trump and um, Trudeau said, you know what? We're going to merge together. We're going to be like uh, the two Koreas in the Olympics. Seems we're possible. Gonna, we're going to be North We're gonna be North America. The United States of Canada. I don't know what you want to call it. And they make a team together. The starting, ele- the starting 11 would have about five Canadian players. That's that's fair. I, the entire back line, which will be the biggest issue for Canada, would be, would Americans. be Americans, including the goalkeeper. <laughs> including yeah. the goalie. Yes. <laughs> Pulisic would play. McKenney would play. Outside of that, I think you'd have Davies. I think you'd have Hoylett. I think you'd have Arfield. I think you'd have Jonathan David up top. And I think you'd put in a real argument for someone like Mark Anthony Kay or Sam Piet playing yeah, defensive midfield. midfield. That's fair. Notable absences from this Canadian team. Kyle Lahren. Kyle Lahren didn't make the cut for this team. Shows you how deep they are in attack. Was once the golden boy... Of course, he played in Orlando, where nobody's a golden boy. boy. <laughs> Went to Turkey and has not figured it out. Hey, even Tyler Boyd figured it out in Turkey. Uh, so, Kyle Lahren needs to figure out. Atiba Hutchinson. Not a bad player, but he's also been forced to play defense for this team. I also, I believe he, I didn't see anything official, but he said before the Gold Cup that he was retiring after the Gold Cup. So he may or may not be retired from the National He's on the older side. Uh, Balou Jean-Yves Tabla. Of course, the uh, Montreal player who then went to Barcelona and seems to not have figured it out. Loaned back to Impact and hasn't really played. Uh, and then some, you know, MLS players who I wouldn't put on either team if I had the choice. Raheem Edwards, Tesho Akindele, and some other middling players. Uh, I think Canada wins it. U.S. doesn't know how to play on the road. 
Canada wins and we all go, oh, what do we do now? Oh, no, the U.S. stinks. Burhalter stinks. Why are we still playing Bradley? Oh, why did we start Zardis? Well, I, I'm going to disagree. I'm not quite as pessimistic as you. Uh, you call it pessimism. I call it realism. Th- that's fair. I still think it's the, the US, first game on the road in over a year. That I don't think that means as much as you think it does. But I do think it is a. It, it's going to be a tough atmosphere. Obviously, this is the biggest game for Canada. And well, then let me drop something on you. The U.S. didn't win a single road game in hexagonal qualifying for the World Cup. Yes, and the team that, is completely different. And that, than that. actually, they didn't even do that. They I don't think they drew. They lost every single road game, and that the sole reason is why they didn't qualify. Playing a road match in Canada at BMO Field, where half the team has played a million times, and I know the atmosphere will be crazy, it is not the same as going to Central America and playing a match on a pitch that isn't even a real pitch. So that's, so that's the only thing I'll say about that. You're saying you you're saying you go into Costa Rica and they don't have good pitches? I'm saying you go to Costa Rica. They went into Rica. an Olympic stadium in Costa Rica. Okay, not Olympic, but you get the point. I mean... A, a good stadium in Costa Rica, and they got wiped out 4 nothing. Of course, that's under the great Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah, I just think the team is a lot different than that team also at this point. Canada's better than Panama. I feel like it doesn't... Like, is, is Canada better than Panama? I mean, they lost to Haiti yeah. at the Gold Cup. Yeah, but Haiti's better than they Panama. They lost to the Dominican Republic last like a month ago. Yeah, Canada stinks. Shows you where we're at. I mean, I, I'm just their their defense is horrible. Is really what it comes down to. They're going to sit and counter. They have to. They have to. Jonathan David's fantastic. Alfonso Davis is fantastic. Junior Harlett's very solid. We'll see. I mean, maybe they beat us on the counter. They, you know, they 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 bag a couple of goals on us. But I just think their defense is so poor. Their best defender, Daniel Henry, is suspended because he got a red card against Cuba. In their last Nations League match, they're two starting the center backs. That's, that's some real one D chess from Daniil Henry. Yeah, the, the two starting center backs most likely in this game are going to be Derek Cornelius from Vancouver, who stinks, and ex Philadelphia Union man Stephen Vittoria, who can barely move, who also stinks. Yes. So, and then their fullbacks will be former Vancouver Whitecap Sam Atakubi, most likely, or maybe Mark Anthony Kay if they try that experiment again. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise doing that if I were Canada. And then Richie Larea, who's actually had a pretty solid year for Toronto FC. I liked him for Toronto. He's a solid fullback. But I just don't think they, I, I just don't think they have the defense capable. I think the U.S. team under Berhalter has has grown more and more into kind of the the way he wants to play, the progressions of play and attack. I, I think we'll have enough possession. We'll be able to string together enough uh, good spells of play and and create create a few goals. I'm not convinced the U.S. knows how to play in possession. Well, I think we, I, I think we've shown good signs in the past few games. Um, I, I I think we've struggled against teams that have really pressed us, but Canada's not going to do that because it'd be too risky because their defense isn't good enough. If we were they playing can, a team... They can press in groups of four. Here's the thing that Canada has. Is they have Sam Piet, that, the bulldog. What's bulldog in French? We'll get our producer to look that up. Uh, but they call him the bulldog. I think it's just because of what he looks like. I don't think it has to do with his play style. But I think when you have a defense that uh, even a great defense needs a defensive midfielder who's going to sit in front of them. Otherwise, you look like the LA Galaxy, who I think has a couple players on paper who are fine, but they play like they're Canada. Having that defensive midfielder... Listen, if I was in charge of Canada, and again, you know, Herdman, listen to the American soccer show. I know this isn't the Canadian soccer show because CSS just doesn't ring the same way. But I'll tell you this. The, if they played a midfield of Mark anthony K. Sampiet, uh, Scott Arfield, 
And then the front three of, say, it's Jonathan David, Afonso Davies, Junior Hoylet. I expect that to be a, You can drop into a 4-5-1 four, four, as necessary. Hoylet knows how to work back. Davies plays, played some fullback, uh, some wing back. And then just, I don't care who you throw in defense. You just need someone who's played the game. Because you have, you can sit in a 4-5 with one up top. And then when you get the ball, you can start playing out. Don't put your best midfielder, Mark Anthony K. Okay, not best, but don't put one of your best midfielders, Mark, because I think our field is. Don't put one of your best midfielders at left back. Don't put your best player in Alfonso Davies, who again is only 18, by the way. Yeah, crazy. Wing back. I don't think either of those guys will play left back. They what, tried. What it. team has ever had their top, say, any of their top three or four players play fullback? I mean, literally, the comp for Davies since he got there has been David Alaba and. Austria does exactly what you're saying. He's been a left back forever, but when he plays for Austria, they play him at center mid. So, yeah, don't play your best international player by far at left back. And I don't think don't they put will. him at fullback. Yeah. No teams put their best three or four players at fullback. You could argue Trent Alexander Arnold at Liverpool, and I'll tell you you're wrong. Yeah, because their best players are Salah, Sadio yeah, Mane, that'd be Bruno, Allison, and Van Dyke. He's a good player. He's a great fullback. But nobody put nobody says you know what? I got this real stud of a player. You ever hear this Antoine Griezmann we just bought? We're going to put him at left back. It might work better for Barcelona. But it boggles the mind that they that this is like what they're going with. Well, I And this I, is why I should be coaching these teams. Because <laughs> the American fair. Soccer Show here in the American Soccer Show, we know best. I don't think we'll get that at left back. I think we'll probably get out of Kubi. Now, who do you think is going to start this match for the US? Cuz I I feel like there's a couple spots that seem up for grabs for us, but what are, what are your thoughts on that? I think we'll see. Well, Stefan and goal for sure. Stefan and goal. Right back as a toss-up right away. I think Reggie Cannon gets the nod ahead of Yedlin. Yedlin had a good game against United, but hasn't played a lot. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I would put Yedlin in because you need someone who's going to deal with uh, Davies. That's true. So Cannon's got good speed, but uh, not like Yedlin, obviously. Yedlin, here's the thing with Yedlin. Yedlin can get beat consistently, but he's so fast it doesn't matter. He catches up easy. And I'm fine with that. I love that about him. I think, of course, we're going to see Pulisic McKenney. Yeah. For- uh, I think we're going to see Jordan Morris. I agree. Uh, I think he deserves to play. I think we're going to... The only thing I think is maybe to deal with the defensive threat, maybe you get Ariola on the right wing to deal with Davies instead of Morris. Someone who can work back. That would be a good shout. Yeah. Uh, potentially, you put Morris on the left and put Pulisic at the 10. I don't um, th- He's been working Pulisic on the wing a lot the past few games. I don't think we'll see him at the 10, but he has done it before. Uh, yeah, I don't think we'll see it. He could do it uh, if he was worried. I don't think he's too worried about their about their attack. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Zardes, but I think he also knows that if he doesn't, and they, if they play Zardes and they lose or draw, He'll get a lot of flack. He'll get all of the flack. Yeah. (laughs) If he plays Sargent and he has a crap game, we do have a clean clean filter here on the (laughs) soccer show. We don't want to lose that on iTunes. If if he he plays Sargent and plays terribly, okay, he's learning, he's improving. You don't improve players to the national team, but that's what people want. Uh, Jackson Ewell, I would like to see him play. He's not a six. No chance. Bradley. Bradley will start, yeah. They'll play Bradley. Uh, I think we'll see Lovitz, uh, another player plays uh, in Canada. You think Lovitz? 
My boy Danny Lovitz. Yeah, I like Lovitz more than most U.S. fans, but I kind of think he's going to play Nick Lima there. But Lovitz played the Cuba match, but maybe it'll be Lovitz. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Reem. I think uh, Reem's definitely going to start. And the other center back, back spot is going to be Long or Miazga. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Miazga, Long, Reem at left back, which I hate Reem at left back. I can't tell you how much I hate Reem at left back. They haven't done that the past, like, three or four games. It seems like he's kind of moved away from it, but maybe he will go back to it. There's a lot of speed on this team. Maybe he wants to have kind of five defenders. Because he he likes, and I love this about a coach, he likes being creative. He plays that, and then uh, Yedlin will be like a wing back on one side. Um, Yeah. The problem is you can't, really let pull, have Pulisic drop deep and kind of play that uh, symmetry on the other side. Yeah, you'd have to almost like, play Areola over there. and Which is where a guy like Areola would fit in. Uh, and that way Pulisic can kind of drop under the forward. Um, and, and Morris can, I mean, maybe doesn't play at that point. Uh, but I, if I was going to go position by position, Stefan, Yedlin, Miazga, Long, Ream. Uh, I think we'll see uh, McKenney and Bradley at least in a two. Uh, potential, I, it seems like he likes Ewell more as a six than as an eight. As he has not the, played Ewell as an eight at all, so I just don't think he's going to start. It's going to be bad. I, yeah, I, I agree, as much as, as Ewell is an eight. Uh, so we'll probably see a Roldan, because he likes the 4-3-3, uh, and then Pulisic, Sargent, and either Morris or Areola. Could be Areola for the defensive uh, input. Uh, that's what I think will happen. That's not what I want to see. Yeah, I I think we'll get something slightly different. I think Stefan for sure. We might get Legette instead I, of Roldan. I, I do think we get Legette ahead of Roldan. Roldan played the Cuba match. Um, I think we get Zardes for sure up top because Sargent played the Cuba match. I hope we don't. I hope we get Sargent again. I just think he's a better player than Zardes. I don't care how well Zardes knows the system. I know he knows it better than Sargent, but... At the end of the day, Sarsen's just a better player. I think if regardless... If Sardis isn't in the box, he isn't doing anything. He's borderline useless. No offense to GFC. Which is fine. Listen, he's, the dude still bags, you know, on average 16 goals for Columbus a year. He's a system player, but at the same time, the Canadian defense is so poor. We're going to get chances no matter if the defense or the system for us is kind of revving or not. So if we're going to have a lot of chances, I want them falling to Josh Sargent and not GFC Sardis. Is basically my my thoughts on that. Uh, as I said before, go Canada, O Canada, the North. Listen, this is the American Soccer Show. Here. <laughs> you know what we're going to talk about, but for once, we're just going to go a little north of the border here. The as I mentioned before, this doesn't mean a whole lot for the U.S. It means a ton for Canada. Canada means everything because they win this, they get a real chance to shoot up the rankings. And yeah. get into the hex. Yeah. They're seventh this, right now and they need to finish sixth. And they have a long way to go. Yeah. They need they still need things to go their way. They basically need to take at least four points from the two matches against the US. And they play a twenty first ranked team in the US that could seriously shoot them up the rankings. So I'm going for Canada. I for this honestly, the sole purpose of and it's not this whole Lino Joker, I want to see the world burn, I want to see the US fall <laughs> and you know, the US is in a rebuild. There's a, there's a lost generation that's about our age, so to speak, between, uh, you know, 23 to 28. Yeah. Because of the way the academies were brought in. And that's fine. We I understand that. We can't expect great things out of them yet. 
you know, we, we have this period where those players should be getting a lot of time, but there's none of them. And so we build up these, you know, McKennies and these Pulisics, and it will come. Patience. But Canada, if they have a decent squad, I want to see them. I don't want to see Trinidad in the hex. I know they beat the U.S. The Trinidad stinks. They have Kevin Molino. I, they have no one else. The hot boy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I, I, I want to see Canada in the hex. I totally agree with the sentiment, but I just can't root against my USA, against Canada. And it'll be a disaster. Do the right thing, Pat. The Twitter will be just insufferable if we lose to Canada. As so many people are just losing it, and I just can't take it. And plus, what I do think we've been playing better lately. Another game to test the system. Like you said, they're finally going on the road. I think it'll be a good test. It's basically the Super Bowl for Canada's team. Um, but yeah, I, I got to go with the USA, man. Even if the U.S. loses, it's not the end of the world. I know a lot of people panic. You're talking about the Twitter. You're really plugged into the Twitter world. I do my best. But for all of you out there who who, who go on and, and you read all that stuff, here's what I suggest: go out, go out, uh, go on a walk, go to an apple orchard, go apple picking, go to go to a pumpkin patch. Get off Emmett's lawn. Get off of my front porch. I can't stand it anymore. I can't sleep. It'll be a fun match, nonetheless. Uh, it's a chance, if you're listening to this, the game has already happened, and I've been proven correct. And you can go on Twitter, again, at emcconnell92, and say, boy, those people in the American soccer show, they're real smart. At least that Emmett is. I don't know about that. All right, you can go on at pmurphy929 after you've listened to this after the U.S. has won the game and say, boy, at Emmett McConnell was a clown. I can't believe you listened to him for over an hour just spewing nonsense. I guess we'll that's, see. That's what they might say. If they tweet at you, that's probably what they'll say. If they tweet at me, they'll say, you know, I hear Canada and U.S. has a joint head coach position available and we want you for it. <laughs> and I'll uh, tell them no. Because who in their right mind would take that job? <laughs> unless he had family and who, who pushed you into it. Jesse anyway, Marsh certainly wouldn't. Jesse Marsh is too smart for that, as am I. Uh, and hopefully, as are you, you're too smart to still be listening at this point because that's all the time we have this week on the American Soccer Show. You can check us out on iTunes, or Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. But give us a download. You can check out past episodes. Send us a review. Uh, do whatever you really feel like doing. I don't know. It's you know things are timely. If you go back and listen back four weeks, it's it's not as timely. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Pat Murphy signing off. <laughs>